following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. you would, open up your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, fifth book of the Bible in the Old Testament on the left-hand side, if you have an actual Bible. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Last week, if you weren't with us, we burned through the first three chapters pretty quickly. Um, You can pick up all of the messages that you've missed uh, at communitygospelchurch.com. Just go ahead and click on uh, the messages section, um, and it's right there for you. Uh, We are going to kind of have a little bit of an expediated pace in Deuteronomy, um, and that's, that's okay. Sometimes we, we cover these, these books and these big chapters, and that's a good thing. Um, but let me just kind of recap what happened uh, last week and where we were at in case you missed that so that we can kind of bring you up to speed. Deuteronomy essentially is a retelling of the law. And um, Moses is our author here in Deuteronomy, and essentially what he's going to do is he is going to recap for the Israelites who um, have children that are about to go into the promised land uh, what God's law is so they they can live a life that honors the Lord, that it can go well with them essentially is what Moses is going to talk about. And I know that we talked about it last week, but some of you guys have uh, like a word for the year. Some people it's like peace or patience. Some people it's consistency, whatever the case is. I don't know how long people have been doing this. Um, I feel like my years are more the, like sentences than words. Um, but if we were to look at Deuteronomy and we would have a word that comes out of Deuteronomy, the word would be obedience. God wants us to obey. He wants us to obey all things because this is his word. This is his ways. And he puts parameters on our life for a reason and for a purpose their plans not to harm us, but to help us. When you discipline yourself, it's good. You should discipline yourself, actually, because you'll find freedom in discipline. That's good that God wants us to discipline ourselves to become like Christ, because that's where we find life and we find a full life. For the Israelites, it's going to be a full life in the promised land. For us, we realize that our promised land is an eternity with Christ. It's a heavenly Canaan. So if you go into the Old Testament, you realize the Israelites are trying to move into this uh, earthly Canaan, this earthly promised land. And for us, we're looking at a heavenly Canaan, a heavenly promised land. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses is going to warn the Israelites. He's going to say, I don't want you to add or take away from God's word. You just keep it. Just keep what he says. Just do what he says so that it would go well with you. You're going to find wisdom in doing what God's word says. You'll find understanding. You'll find proper ways of living. And if you do that right, Moses said, what's going to happen is other pagan nations are going to hear about you. They're going to hear about what you do. They're going to hear about who you are. They're going to hear about how you conduct yourselves, the words that come out of your mouth, the actions that you participate in with your hands and your feet, and they will want the same relationship with that God that you have. If you obey the Lord, if you live correctly, other people will want to do the same. So we follow the Lord, we live fully obedient to him, free from idols, and we seek him above all others, for that is where true life is found. Now, as we talked about last week, we need to clarify once again, 
We look at the Old Testament through what we call New Testament covenant eyes. Testament is the word promise. God made a promise in the Old Testament. He made a covenant with his people, and then he made a new covenant with us in Christ. And when we come to the Lord through faith and trust in Christ, we realize there's no more Jew, no more Gentile, no more slave, no more free. We're all children of God. We come underneath the umbrella of Christ. Old Testament people looking forward to a Messiah that will come. New Testament people looking backwards to the Messiah who came. And so when we start to unpack this scripture, we have to look at it through the lens of the fact that Jesus came, died, rose again, ascended to the right hand of God, is ruling and reigning on our behalf now. We have the entire onion, not just a piece of it. And we praise the Lord for that, right? I mean, can you imagine living in like Isaiah's time period? That would just be super confusing to me. But those people were still faithful. And so we look at this, how to live a life that honors the Lord through our New Testament covenant eyes, and what does it look like to follow him? The first 24 verses in Deuteronomy chapter 4, and I'm going to give you all of the points at the start. So that way, if you look at this slide and you think to yourself, "Ah, I'm not interested, you can just get up and leave right now. Okay, everybody's still on the same page, or nobody has enough courage to stand up and walk out. That's good. All right. We're going to talk about obedience to the Lord. In other words, in regards, and I'm going to give you these slides, so you don't have to write all these down right now. But we're going to talk about obedience to the Lord, not making uh, idols. We're going to talk about trusting the Lord over idols. And then we're going to talk about depending on the Lord and what it looks like to live in full obedience to Him. The first 24 verses are all about obeying the Lord. How do I live a life that honors the Lord? How do I live a life that honors God? How do I know that he smiles at me and is happy with what I am doing in my life? It all comes down to obedience. Obedience to not making or worshiping idols. An Old Testament principle that is very, very true in the New Testament as well. The first eight verses, the Israelites are about ready to enter, as I said, this thing called the promised land. It's a land called Canaan. Moses wanted God's people to think about their need to be obedient because they are extremely sinful people. If you think your sin is great, just go back in the Old Testament, look at some of those people. Man, they're giving you a run for your money. I guarantee it, okay? We all have sinned, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, and fallen short of the glory of God. Israel proved it constantly. Now, all throughout the Bible, we learn one of Satan's greatest tricks is to make us remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. One of Satan's greatest tricks is to make us remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. Failure to remember the damage of past sins means that the Israelites could repeat these sins again. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1 through 8, partners well with 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. And he said, if you think you're standing strong, in other words, if you have a big head, you should be careful not to fall. You need to remember that I am a sinner and need of mercy and grace from God. So Moses wants the Israelites to live in verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes. Listen, listen, Linda, listen to the rules that I am teaching you. If you don't know what that is, you're in good company. It's fine. (laughs) Moses wants Israel to live a spiritual and physical life that is fully obedient to the Lord. Why? In context to the Old Testament, it's because an attack is coming upon them. In regards to the New Testament, we realize that we're constantly under attack, right? 
The devil prowls around like a lion, seeking who to devour. The more we grow in our relationship with the more the Lord, the more it feels like Satan is at our heels. Verse 2, the Israelites were to not add or take away from the word that God commanded. That is an important principle regarding God's word. We, like Israel, are told not to add to the Lord. In other words, your traditions and your opinions that come from men are not equal to the law of God. There's some other religions out there that say the traditions of man and the scriptures that we have sit on the same page in regards to authority. That's not true. That's what we call heresy. We believe that all 66 books are useful for teaching and training people in righteousness. That's what the New Testament tells us. We also know that in Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19, it says specifically to everyone, who hears the words of the prophets of this book, this is John talking on the island of Patmos, giving the final revelation. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words that are in this book of prophecy, God shall take uh, away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Where does John get this verbiage? Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's almost like he knew it or something. Let's keep going. The Israelites saw what God did uh, at Baal Peor, that's verse 3, in regards to immorality that was transpiring with the women of Moab. In other words, people were merging secular society back here in the Old Testament with sacred living. That's not good. You should look different, act different, and talk different is essentially what God is saying. Moses, again, he warns the people if they reject God as they did back then, the result would be the same. They would die in God's judgment. So the Israelites, verse 6, are a great nation, wise in understanding because of their relationship that they had with the living God. And as they had this relationship, God exalts them among other nations. He makes them witnesses so foreigners would come to know him as Savior. Now, you probably wonder, like, is there an example of that in Scripture? Well, yeah, absolutely. In 1 Kings chapter 10, the queen of Sheba visits Solomon and asks, where does Solomon get his wisdom from? And what does Solomon say? It comes from God. I prayed to the Lord, and he said, I'll give you anything that you want, and I wanted to be wise. And so all my wisdom is from God. And the queen of Sheba is just amazed. So all we see here is the living God. Moses gives two examples of why obedience is necessary. Verse 9. In verse 9, all the way through verse 20, those 11 verses, the first example is Moses telling the Israelites to teach, look at verse 10, the children and the children's children, that's your kids and your grandkids, about what happened at Horeb. Now, we don't do this a whole lot, right? Grandma and grandpa, do you guys do this? Do you sit around with your kids and your grandkids and tell them all the bad things you ever did? You should do that. Let me know how that goes. Here he says, I want you to talk to your kids and your grandkids about what happened at Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, when the nation of Israel heard God speak. In other words, what he's saying is, I don't want you to talk about necessarily bad things. I want you to talk about the things that happened out of the midst of the fire, but saw no form. That's verse 12. I want you to talk about when you received the Ten Commandments of tablets of stone, verse 13. Remember, it was there that God commanded that you must never make an image to represent him. Look at verse 16. It says very specifically, 
Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for you yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Moses essentially says, I want you to look at this and remember that God is awesome. And by the way, be careful when you use that word in society. I've tried uh, for months to take out the word awesome unless I'm speaking about God. God is awesome. Nothing else is awesome, just God. Now in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, Paul parallels this really well. Go back for a second, Joe. He says that they traded the truth about God for a lie. And this is exactly what Israel was supposed to be cautious about. What happens is secular society was starting to worship and serve the things that God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. It's been said the thing that you think about the most is the thing that you worship the most. And oftentimes we worship the things that are created instead of the creator. And so because the Lord had delivered the Israelites in the Old Testament, believers in the New Testament, through faith in Christ, God has rights over us. He has rights over you. Whether you like it or not, God has rights over you. God did not deliver us so that we would worship an idol. He delivered us so that we would participate in his plan and follow his word and ways. Moses continues, verse 21. Remember what happened at Mount Sinai, how awesome God is, and then, number two, remember your leadership's failure. Now, this is a fantastic leadership trait for anybody who's in any position of leadership. Moses is going to use himself, and he's going to talk about an example that he did in his own failure, and it partners with Numbers chapter 20. You don't have to go there. Moses knows that the Lord is going to discipline him because of his sin. Moses is fully aware that he is not allowed to go into the promised land because he had a situation where his emotion got so great that his logic went out the window. And what he does is he realizes, verse 21, that he is not able to enter the promised land for a specific reason. This is why God, even though it was because Moses' fault, did not send Moses into the wilderness. I believe this with all of my heart. He did that so that Israel would clearly see that no man, not even Moses, was above the law. God looks at Moses and he says, the people worship you sometimes just as much as they worship me. And Moses is humble enough here to recognize that he's a sinner, that he's a failure. He puts that before Israel and he had faith that people could make it to the promised land without him. Simple obedience. In other words, Moses believes that he's replaceable, and so it should be with us. That's hard sometimes, right? Like, I think I'm not replaceable sometimes. And then God says, oh, you are. Now, what this shows us is it's easy to look at creation and say creation is or can be worshipped. And that's true. But people can also be worshipped as well. It's a dangerous thing when anybody thinks they're doing something that nobody else can. God can and does use anyone. But, and this is a hard truth, if a ministry and a plan is dependent on one irreplaceable person, then it's an idol and it's not of God. That is a hard truth to wrestle with. Now, look at verse 24. The concept that Moses is communicating to people is he says, God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. Bethany and I were having a conversation one time about just our marriage, and uh, we were finding ourselves in a busy season. 
And she says, uh, she said, what do you think's going on? And I said, I'll tell you what's going on. I am jealous for your time that you spend in other places. That jealousy is not a bad thing. That jealousy is a good thing. I'm jealous for the fact that you are spending time in this place, and I want to spend time with you. That's how God is. God looks at us every time we worship an idol, and he says, I want that time. I want that attention. I want you to come to me. I want you to take the obedience that you are supposed to give to me seriously. Now, it's interesting. In Hebrews chapter 12, you don't have to go there. It's the exact same concept that the writer of Hebrews says, whoever that may be. Verse 12, uh, or chapter 12, excuse me, 29 says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Where'd the writer of Hebrews get that? From Deuteronomy. It's funny how many good principles in the New Testament come from the Old Testament. That's not a coincidence, by the way. Now, all of these verses, there's a lot of reference to Israel's national covenant here. And all of this can be applied to us as believers who live under grace as well. Obedience to God's word does not grant salvation, but it's evidence of our salvation. Obedience to God's word means and shows people that we're partakers of God's gift. Our world is filled with temptations and evil desires. But we have a great need to keep our heart pure. Moses' point in those first 24 verses is this. You cannot walk correctly if you walk carelessly. You cannot walk correctly if you are careless. And you are careless when you walk with idols, whether that's things or people. Moses' command to eliminate idols shows how absurd it is to worship idols and to pay attention, not forgetting the covenant that God made with us. Some people can quote facts and figures about things that can transpire or do transpire in our world, but fail in the biblical literacy to give what God has done in regards to his promises. We are fast to name people and places and stats and statistics. Somebody told me the other day how many people were in the House of Representatives, and they started to give me their names, and I thought to myself, what are the 12 disciples' names? We have to seek the Lord over idols. Now look at verse 25. He says, you do this based off of trust. Trust equals faith. Verse 26. Moses says creation, which is heaven and earth, would witness or testify about Israel's idol worship. Remember, God gave Israel the promised land, but if they continued to worship idols, God would remove them from the land, scattering them among pagan nations. That's verse 27. As a matter of fact, this actually happens 550 years later at the time of Babylonian exile of Judah where Israel was exiled to receive their fill of idols. In other words, God says, hey, you want to worship idols? I'm going to make you fat on some idols. God's discipline often gives us what our sinful heart longs for. You should be cautious. If Israel wants idols, God's going to give them idols. But essentially, there's two ways to trust the Lord seeking him alone. Look at the first one in verse 29. If you seek the Lord, you find his mercy. Church, if you seek the Lord, you will find a merciful God. If you run to the Lord, you will find a merciful God. God would not totally abandon exiled Israel or us. When they're ready to turn back to the Lord, he'd be ready to receive them. There is no sinner in your life 
who is too far gone. Can we get that? Your, your aunt or your uncle, or your grandma or your grandpa or whoever the case may be, your mom or your dad, who knows who it is? Nobody is too far gone. If the Apostle Paul can come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, so can anyone else. You trust the Lord and you seek the Lord because there his mercy is found. Israel was to find the Lord by seeking him, verse 29, with all of their heart and soul. What does Jesus say? You should love the Lord God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. So Jesus kind of expands on that. And basically what that means is he says, I want you to seek me passionately. I want you to pursue me because you really love me. And that takes faith. It's a relentless pursuit of him with your mind and your will and your emotions. Colossians talks about walking with God in this way. Now what's interesting is in verse 30, it says to return to the Lord your God and to obey his voice means that we seek the Lord with all of our heart and soul as a demonstration of our obedience. His word is greater than the world's opinions. His truth is greater than what the world has to offer. If you seek the Lord, you will find him. I say this with as much love as I possibly can. Some of you are not finding maturity in your relationship with the Lord because you are not seeking him with everything that you have. Now, Moses says something interesting. He says, how about you consider your alternatives? <laughs> I love this in verse 32. Moses asks Israel, essentially, he says, hey, let's consider the days past, verse 32, and how God dealt with you like any other nation. Who else, for example, verse 33, heard the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire and still lived? Moses reminded them, verse 35, there's no other God besides him. In other words, Israel had a special place in God's plan and considering who God is and all that he did for Israel, obedience to his commands made perfect sense. Isaiah, the prophet, in chapter 1, verse 18, says very, something very similar. He says, come on now, let's get together and reason about what God has done. Let's think about how God has worked in our life. Basically, what Isaiah is saying is what Moses is saying is that we think we have a hard time serving the Lord, but consider where you would be if you did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. One of Satan's greatest tricks is to make us remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. Oftentimes, Satan wants me to remember who I was as a sinner and how joyful that life was. And he wants me to forget who I am in Christ and how much abundance and joy comes in that relationship. Basically, that's what Moses is saying. That's what Isaiah is saying. Consider how the Lord has touched your life, especially as believers in Christ who, who have been given the Holy Spirit. We know that we have a power to free us from sin. We know that we have a hope that we can trust when we're discouraged. We know that we have healing, whether that's here on this earth or in eternity. We know that we have freedom from being bitter. We know that we have answers to prayers. We know that we have the ability to overcome difficult obstacles. And the list goes on and on and on and on. When we consider these things, we know the Lord is God. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40. Where Moses declares, Therefore, you shall keep his commandments and his statutes which i command you today 
so that it may go well with you. It will go well with your children after you and that you may prolong your days in the land the Lord your God is giving you. How does it go well with us? Even when there's trials and tribulations, even when there's problems and setbacks, even when there's hurt and pain, how in the world are we at okay, are we okay or at peace? Well, that's because Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, dwells within me. And that's where dependence comes from, verse 41. Before Moses recaps the law, which is 44 through 49, there are three cities that were prepared to be a place of refuge on each side of the Jordan River before entering the promised land. Moses speaks to the Israelites, and we remember that they're right on that threshold of Canaan. It's been about 38 years since they received the law of God at Mount Sinai, and now Moses is about to review and explain the law of God to this new generation. If they're going to take the promised land, they had to be trained in God's word. They couldn't do it by themselves. They had to truly trust and live a life of full obedience to God's word, and the same is true for us today. We never walk in the abundant life God has for us in which we live by every single word. John Calvin says it like this. He says, let us learn that even when we cannot at once entirely carry out what God commands us to do, we are still by no means to be idle. That's one of the things that we need to work on <clears throat> in 2023 is being idle. How are we spending our time? How are we spending our days Calvin continues, he says, for nothing but sheer laziness stands in our way unless we speedily commence at God's command what it is his will to finish. As Moses starts to set up the law before the Israelites, we look at this and understand our own situation as sinners. The true nature of the great covenant that God has made with us in which we are invited into by Christ. If these things are shown to Israel by Moses, how many more greater things are shown to us than Israel ever saw at Mount Sinai? How many mercies have we seen throughout the pages of the text? How many examples do we have that God has showed us and demonstrated us that his way is better than the world's way? Jesus is greater than all of the things that were ever given to Israel. Jesus speaks to us in a greater way than Moses as he bears our sins upon the cross and pleads with us <clears throat> by his dying love to live a fully surrendered life in full obedience to him. That takes trust. Now, there's a lot of verses here, right? Like chapter four is pretty big. But what they ultimately communicate is keeping God's ways is how things must be for it to go well with God's people. It's all about obedience. Now, it's really hard when you get in the Old Testament not to preach like health, wealth, and prosperity, right? Like if you do this, then God's going to do this. If you do this, then God's going to give you this. That's not true at all, right? As a matter of fact, sometimes when you follow the Lord, like he just kind of eliminates things that are of the world. Sometimes you follow the Lord and your bank account goes bankrupt. You're like, how'd that happen? God took everything away from me. And sometimes God takes everything away from us so that our attention will be more on him. Sometimes God eliminates things in our life so that we have the opportunity to follow him more. Sometimes God is taking things out of our life so that he will get our attention. And he wants us to see that he's working and moving and he wants us to depend on him and to trust him in all things. So whatever you're going or you have going on for you right now, 
Well, it could be in the workplace, it could be in your marriage, it could be in um, your relationship with people in the church, it could be anything. We look at this and we ask ourselves, who am I dependent upon? Am I dependent upon my 401k? Am I dependent upon my money, my time, my talents? Or am I dependent upon the Lord? Do I trust him? Do I live in full obedience to him? If I verbalize my faith, what will it cost me? It will cost you sometimes the world. But we relinquish the world because of what we have in the word. We trust the word. God always provides a place for us. God always says that there is safety in his arms. He wants us to radically talk about him. To give clarity to a world that's broken. To make sure that they understand the truths in the text. Christ says, I want to be above all things. I want you to seek me over everything else. I want you to live in full obedience as there you will find joy and peace. Yeah, there's going to be turmoil in regards to what's happening. But that turmoil is temporary if you trust the Lord. Because that's where life is found. This isn't just the law Moses set before the Israelites. This is exactly what Christ commands for us. Now, there's a lot of truths in this text. And I love in the Psalms, if you go to the Psalms, there's this little word in the Psalms, and it's, it says Selah. And Selah was a 1990s like, contemporary Christian artist, and they sang songs about Jesus. But Selah simply means to pause and to think. You get to the end of all these verses, and you think to yourselves, okay, let's just close up the book, and let's just move on. But there are so many things that God wants us to do with that text and that comes from just Selah, to pause and to think about these truths and what we have in Christ. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, all of us have pockets and places that we participate in in this world. All of us find ourselves in situations and circumstances where we have a decision to make. We're either going to obey you and trust you, or we're going to put our trust and faith in some worthless idol. God, there's so many examples in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. And you call us to, to trust that if we were to obey you fully, with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength, and if we were to seek you over all things, then there we'll find mercy and grace in abundance. We've considered our alternatives, God. And when it comes to you, there is no other alternative. If you are here this morning, you don't have a relationship with God through faith and trust in Christ, today is your day of your salvation. Simply confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible tells us you will be saved. The Old Testament tells us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And in the Old Testament, that was a temporary sacrifice. And in the New Testament, Christ gave us all of himself, a perfect God and a perfect man whose blood covers our sin. God tells us that we can come into a relationship with him only through faith and trust in Christ. It's the only way. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And if you're here today and have never trusted Christ as Savior, tell the Lord, pray for the first time maybe. God, I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I trust you. I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. I ask that the Holy Spirit come and dwell within me, teaches me, guides me, convicts me, gives me the opportunity to learn and to grow. 
And if you trust Christ as Lord and Savior, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Lord, for those of us who have made the decision to trust Christ, we ask that in 2023, you would help us to fully depend upon you being obedient to all that your word says. Help us to trust that truth. Help us to realize the sin of idleness and that you want us to relinquish that sin. God, give us the ability to depend on you in all things, whether that's sickness, health, loss of jobs, finding a new job, relationships, marriages, raising kids. Help us, Lord, to impress the truth of Scripture on our kids and our kids' kids and to be unapologetically unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which gives us hope, which gives us life, which gives us peace. We thank you for your grace that you lavished upon us. Help us to live under it and according to it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.